0: You're listening to Market Scale Education Technology. I'm your host Sean Heath and today I get to have a conversation with Ryan Adkins. He's the Director of Technology for Yorkville 115. Ryan, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing extremely well, thanks for asking. Now, Yorkville, that's uh, outside of Chicago, is that right?
1: Yeah, we're a uh, I would say we're a south uh, west suburb. We're about 50 miles west of the city, so uh, kind of a rural district but on that edge of becoming a you know, a, a growing fast district as, uh, as the economy continues to boom.
0: So give me just the only, this is only only traditional question I'm going to ask you, kind of give me your journey. How did you, like coming out of college or even before that going into college, <clears throat> what journey sort of led you to Yorkville?
1: Well, uh, actually, I went to college to become a police officer. Uh, a dream of mine was always I wanted to be an ATF agent. Ever since I was in you know, middle school, that's what I wanted to do. And I, and I went to, uh, to college for a semester and found out very quickly that that was not the, uh, the path that I wanted to pursue. So, um, you know, kind of stepping back after that first semester and reevaluating things, I, I, I knew I loved technology. Um, I loved computers. I love tearing them apart, so I figure, you know what, maybe let's let's take a let's take a stab at this and see how it how it goes. So I uh, enrolled in computer school. Uh it was a fifteen month uh program. It was five days a week, eight hours a day. Um there were no breaks, there were no holiday breaks. Um but I learned through that program, you know, everything I needed to get me where I am today, you know, from computer fundamentals to servers to networking, uh, you know, to infrastructure to the internet to, to all those core uh, core values in technology. So you know I graduated from, uh, from that school and I was lucky enough to uh, get a job right away as a level one computer tech in a school district, a k8 school district in uh, Tinley Park, Illinois. and I worked there for about a year and a half I supported 12 schools, did a lot of the, a lot of the entry level stuff, a lot of, a lot of fixing of computers, making sure printers could print. Um, and from there I uh, you know I wanted to to grow. So I applied for an assistant network uh, administrator position in a uh, surrounding district in Mokina, Illinois. Uh, I happened to have that job for two years. Uh, my boss at the time, we were one of a two-man shop. So my boss at the time left. Uh, so I was promoted to become the network administrator. And over time, that role changed uh, into more of a leadership role, a management role, uh, still a two-man shop. But uh, I uh, received a title change to a director of technology where I did that job for five years. Uh, after those five years, I, I was looking uh, for a change. I wanted a, more of a challenge. Uh, so I applied in Yorkville as their director of technology seven years ago, uh, went through that interview process, and, and here I am today. So the, the one thing that I, that I love about you know my story when I get to tell it is I've gotten – or I've had the opportunity to do every role in the, at least the school technology field from a level one entry tech all the way up to a director of technology. So I think that, that helps me, you know, understand better when I'm talking to my team. You know, this group of my team may have certain needs that don't affect this group. Uh, so I have that luxury of, of knowing those, those struggles or pitfalls that they're going to, they're going to run into when we're rolling out projects. So that kind of brings us to where we're at today. Uh, and I'm the director of technology in Yorkville, and I, and I love my job very, very much.
0: So I'm a little bit older than you. And interestingly, both of our school level technology experiences pale in comparison to the level of what this current generation of K through 12 is living. These kids are digital natives. They don't know what a record player is, but man, (laughs) touchscreens are something that they just come to expect to be part of their day-to-day. So just in the last five years, the advances in technology in classrooms has been exponential. What kind of trends have you seen that you really look at and go, okay, this is a thing that's definitely something we're building on for the future?
1: Well, I think the access to information is is both a blessing and a burden. Um, I think the fact that you know you can be sitting anywhere you know at any time and in the palm of your hand you can get breaking news. Um, I think you can also if you have a, a question uh, or you're curious about something, you can Google it fast. So I think that that in itself is so powerful and I, I think a lot of people look at that as a positive, but a lot of people look at that as a negative too. Um, so I think, I think moving forward, uh, the trend that really needs to become is finding a balancing act, right? Because I think now when you, you know, you walk down the street or even you walk around school or, or you go to an event, everyone's on their phone and they're on their phone constantly, whether it's Snapchat, Instagram, social media has absolutely taken over this world. You know, you had, you had mentioned about kids not knowing a record player. I think there's some kids that don't even really know how to go outside and play with other kids these days. Um, and that's a shame because, you know, growing up, I would get up in the morning on a day off of school and, and I wouldn't return back home until, until dinner time. Um, and I don't think, I think kids now, you know, with, with access to the internet and access to technology, they're more in contact with their friends, but it's a different kind of social contact where we, we experienced growing up a lot of face to face, a lot of, you know, schoolyard fun and, and playing kickball and stuff like that, where now kids are socializing more on, on social media and they're and they're playing video games, which is great, but there still has to be some um, some level of, of you know, a personal interaction. Uh, I think the the one bad trend that we've seen is the ability to say things off the cusp and have them have a lasting impact through social media has really put a burden on kids. And and I think you see that through society cyberbullying is is happening all the time whether it's on purpose or whether it's on accident the minute it's posted it's out there for everyone to see and I think that's a trend that we have to stop um I don't know how to necessarily do that I think the biggest thing at the end of the day you can do is talk to talk to your kids uh we I think we do a good job in Yorkville through our ILT curriculum of promoting internet safety uh talking about what it's like to be a, a good digital citizen. Um, we talk about your digital shadow, uh, and what that looks like. And and just so kids understand that once it's out there, even if you delete it, it's on the internet forever somewhere. I mean, I think you see that in, in, uh, you know, presidential races, stuff that, that happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago is now going to, to be available for somebody to search forever. So I think the trend going forward is we're not going, we're not going to, you know, Scale back technology. I don't think I don't think kids are going to have less devices than they have now. If anything, they're going to have more. When you look at smartwatches, um, you look at wearable devices. I mean, I think in five years, everything you you have on you uh, in some form or fashion is going to communicate with some other device that you have, whether it's your phone, whether it's your refrigerator. I mean, the the, the way it's going, it's just it's just unbelievable the the way some of these electronics communicate with each other. So I think it's just keeping your finger on the pulse and and having a good understanding of, you know, the impacts of, you know, with all these technologies. Here's also the pros, but also the cons that that people have to be aware of.
0: You know, not to throw in the back in my day uh, tone, (laughs) but, you know, there are a lot of similarities. High school is still high school. Like mm-hmm. you said, there's there's still bullying, but now it's cyberbullying. Yep. There's still cheating, but now it's technically advanced cheating. There is still the concept of clicks and social exclusion, but now it's technologically driven. And I think as a director of technology, that's obviously something that you are concerned with and focused with. I've I've always felt that anytime we don't firmly decide how to use technology, the danger of it being misused is ha- more than happy to present itself. So you have, you know, let's say that Siri went down tomorrow, hypothetically speaking. W- w- how? What if you get asked how to do a long division problem? You know, you've got to find the answer to that. Will you know how to get a pencil and piece of paper and do that? And or even uh, even more archaic. Here's a piece of chalk. Go to that big thing on the wall over there. It's called a chalkboard. You can write on it. No, go ahead. So as a director of technology, you see traditional methods of learning and teaching literally be revolutionized on a weekly, daily, hourly basis. What sort of input or connectivity do you need to have with your teachers in order to kind of build the the approach on how you're going to present this and, and help um, pre, uh, prepare your students for the two sides of that coin?
1: You know, Sean, I, I love your analogy there. And, and one of the things that just popped in my head moving forward is, 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 you know, you look at self-driving cars. That's like the biggest, biggest thing you hear on the news all the time right now. Well, at the end of the day, you're still going to have to know how to drive. I mean, it you're going to have to know those, those basic fundamentals of, of life to move forward. Because like you said, you know, the, the biggest fear I think of the country is, is, is if the internet goes down, we are going to lose a lot of services. Um, so we in Yorkville, and I think this is a unique approach that, that our district has taken. Um, we don't necessarily, or we try not to, you know, push technology, uh, as a be all end all for our teachers. We, we talk and we, and we work a lot with our teachers. We work a lot with our students. Um, technology is enhancing the experience. It's not taking the place of it. And And that's what we try to tell, tell our teachers. We try to tell our parents that, that, you know, if you're doing this math lesson or you're doing this history lesson or you're in, in science, how can you utilize technology to enhance what you're doing or, or, or you know, we don't want it to replace it. Technology is not replacing those fundamentals like you talked about. Kids still have to know how to write. They still have to know how to interact with each other. But, you know, realistically, the, the older methods is the fire that's always burned in, in education. And the technology is the gas that makes the flame go higher. So that's the one thing I love about my district is we, we definitely, before we roll out initiatives, or we try before we roll out initiatives, to have as much stakeholder information as possible. Whether it's student information, staff information, parent information, our one-to-one project that we just rolled out. We, we did a lot of community feedback. We did a lot of teacher feedback. A lot of people were scared. Same thing you talked about there, you know? Kids are cheating in a different way, and now they have a laptop in front of them that allows them to communicate. So what measures are going to be put in place to prevent that? And I think as long as you can have a good plan going into it, you can ease a lot of those fears. Um, the, the one thing about our district is is that Chromebook is not out seven hours a day. That Chromebook is nothing more than what a pencil is in that class for that teacher. If that teacher wants to utilize that Chromebook, they have full control to utilize that Chromebook. If that teacher wants to go a whole class period and they don't need that Chromebook, then they don't have to use it. Um, and I think that once you can get the teachers comfortable and provide them the resources with with which they can then use the device that, that is put in their classroom, then the possibilities are endless. It's, it's no different than, um, you know, a, a car, for example. Really, with a car, you need four tires, a steering wheel, a, an engine and, and and some gas, and you can go. But then how can you enhance your experience driving? Oh, well, now you have you know Sirius XM radio and now you have a sunroof. That's no different than a Chromebook. and I think a lot of school districts you know make that mistake of oh, we're investing hundreds of thousands of dollars. We have to use this seven days a week, and I see it fail constantly because that's not what it's intended for. It, it, it's like the cell phone and how the cell phones involved, you know, evolved. At the end of the day, the cell phone was made as a as a device to talk to other people, and now it's just been enhanced to to do many more things. But you still use your cell phone to talk to other people. So I think as long as you can focus on not replacing, um, then then it, you're you're going to succeed.
0: You know, I always thought it was funny that most people don't realize. Pencils originally did not have erasers. An eraser was a huge technological breakthrough. Right. And I I look at advancements in technology, specifically in the education space, as like a Bunsen burner that we would have had in chemistry class when I was in high school. Uh, A Bunsen burner can create a certain amount of heat, but it has a limitation because of the way that it's designed. But if you take that Bunsen burner add an oxygen line to it, focus the flame a little bit, and increase the amount of gas that you can send to it. You could turn a Bunsen burner into a blowtorch and cut through a steel plate. It's about the focus that the technology allows you to apply to the knowledge you're trying to transfer. And so that evolution, that ability to focus is something that I know you really take seriously Tell me about some of the projects that you're working on, as as sort of your approach to okay. Here's a good way that we think we can apply this technology and blend it into what we're doing.
1: Sure. So I think uh, I think the three biggest initiatives that that our district currently has going on
0: is, um,
1: you know, we're obviously we're we're going one to one. We were in a position to go one to one probably three years ago, and we decided to hold off. Uh, we still wanted to make some infrastructure changes because without the infrastructure, one to one is just not going to work. We wanted to provide our teachers with professional development um, because, again, like we talked earlier, if they don't know how to, how to use or incorporate that device into their lessons, it's going to fail. So, one to one is 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 very a very important initiative moving forward. Uh, currently, we're one to one for all grades seven through twelve, and in and in fourth grade, and in two years, we'll be four through twelve one to one and we're currently looking at K three devices also because you know building that fundamental capacity at our at our primary uh, elementary levels is is very important. Another initiative we have going on is is learning space redesign. Um, I think your traditional classroom setup is is going away. Uh, kids don't want to learn in rows; they don't want to be boxed in. So, about two and a half years ago, three years ago, we had a had the the opportunity to redesign our high school. Um, so we've we've changed a lot of that area. We've we've put in a lot of flexible seating. We've put a lot of common space in it. Our our high school is now very much like a college campus feel because our one of our goals of our board of education is we want our kids to be college ready. Um, you know, they're gonna leave after after they leave Yorkville three months later and, and go to a campus that has, you know, tens of thousands of kids and, and there is no set environment to learn. You're gonna be you might be outside learning, you might be sitting on a couch somewhere. It's very much like Starbucks and Google. So we had the opportunity to redesign our high school. We've been featured in, in many publications with it. We're very proud of it. Um, but the experience that it gives our kids uh, has been has been second to none. I mean, our, you you walk down our hallways and we have kids sitting in flexible seating and, and our computer bars. And and we our library is very open and, and large with, with couches. And, you know, a lot of like, because when you look at yourself at home, you don't sit in a desk when you're at home doing homework nine times out of ten. You're on your couch. You're in your bed. You're comfortable. You go to Starbucks, you're sitting in a, in a, almost like a lazy boy recliner. We wanted to do that same experience. Um, so, so that's been nice. And now we're filtering that down to our, to our middle school, uh, levels. We redid our common spaces. So there's flexible seating and collaboration spaces. We want to make every space in Yorkville a, uh, a learning environment. And that's very important to us that no matter where you're at in the building, whether it's a corner of a hallway, a classroom, or some open common spaces, you can have the same experience um, with access to Wi-Fi, with access to outlets, so you can charge your devices um, with, with comfortable seating, um, places that you can collaborate and communicate with others. So I would say those are two big objectives. And then obviously, we're focusing a lot on professional development, um, and actually uh, voice and choice professional development. Our chief academic officer this year, along with our superintendent, uh, we rolled out a new plan of how we wanted to do our teacher institute days. So basically our teacher institute days now, at least half the day consists of teachers uh, offering professional development to other teachers based on numerous topics. So for example, on any given teacher institute day, we may have 60 topics that teachers can choose from over a three hour period that they can go and learn more about what they want to learn. We're not forcing information um at them. And what that allows is that's, you know, we we feel like we're increasing engagement with our staff. Uh, We want our staff to have a say in in what they're learning. So if if they want to learn about Chromebooks or they want to learn about Nearpod or they want to learn about Canvas, they can choose that path just like a student can choose their path to graduate. Um, It's been very successful. We're very happy with it. Uh, So I would say those are three initiatives is, you know, especially with our staff you know, the students are only going to be able to be, you know, maximize their potential if our staff is engaged. And we have, we have wonderful teachers. I mean, our teachers are, are second to none, and we're investing in them. Um, we just purchased a building next to our district office where we are building a space just for teachers. It's basically going to be a collaboration area. There's going to be soft seating. There's going to be whiteboards. There's going to be technology um And it's going to be a place for teachers to go after hours on weekends. It's going to be open 24-7. But it's just a place that they can go meet on their own time or get out of the building to relax and get away from that environment to grade papers to to communicate with other teachers throughout the district. Um, and that's going to come online here probably the next three or four months. We're in the process of designing it. And I think that's a unique opportunity because I think a lot of school districts, they invest in students, which absolutely you should. But you also have to invest in, the, in the, the teachers and the staff that's supporting the kids. And, and we're taking that approach now. So I'm really excited about that.
0: You know, it's really interesting and, and pretty cool that Yorkville is a district where everyone in the district, from the superintendent all the way down to that little kindergartner who's walking into school with their eyes big as plates for the first day. Everybody in the district is given an opportunity to learn. And that's kind of of flipping the script a little bit. Usually, the assumption traditionally has been, oh, teachers already know everything that they need to know. And then they just come in and present that same material over and over and over. And you're approaching it from the viewpoint of if the teachers learn more, that helps them be better, which will ultimately make your students be better. What else do you see as a thought leader? What do you see as maybe something that hasn't been added into the mix yet, but you think is probably going to become prominent within the next couple of years?
1: I think that the, the focus in a lot of school districts has been high school. I think that has been, and in some ways, rightfully so, right? Like those are your your most experienced children. They've been they've been through your system the longest. They're the closest to moving on to the next level. Um, and we have a lot of programs at our high school, and we've we've invested a lot of time and materials. Uh, we're doing a lot of unique things at our high school with our blended classes, which is part traditional, part online. Um, like I talked about our flexible seating, but you know those kids. Go eight years in our district before they get to experience that. I think, I think children in a lot of districts, you know, go through the first eight years in a very traditional environment. Uh, and then they get to a high school that maybe is starting to do some cutting edge things and it's, it's almost like a shock and awe. So what we're trying to do is we're going to start, and I think the trend moving forward for schools across the country is, is starting to build that capacity at a lower age level. I mean, you heard me talk earlier about we're looking at K, a K three rollout of devices, whether that's tablets or that's Chromebooks, or it's just some flexible seating to change that environment because the more comfortable kids are, the better they're going to learn. It doesn't matter what, what age level they're in. So we, I think that trend moving forward, I think you're going to see a lot of, of um, more STEM opportunities at the lower levels, you know, starting, starting third, fourth grade. Um, I think a big push in, in education and technology rightfully so should be coding, Um, and especially, uh, young girls and coding because that's the future. The future is going to be coding these machines and coding these robots. And, you know, there's a lot of great companies out there that are doing some really neat things with, um, with elementary coding. I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago. Um, and there was, there's a company, uh, Wonder Workshop that, that is taking block coding. So uh, a child as young as, you know, four or five years old, all they have to do is be able to understand the picture. Um, and they slide it and, and it, it causes the robots to do a series of events. I mean, now that's starting at fourth grade where before you would never have that experience till high school. So I think it's taking those opportunities that the, the upper level, uh, kids get and bringing them all the way down to elementary. So which is really then going to force high school to change in the next 10 years because these kids are going to be prepared, you know, in fourth and fifth grade for what they may start learning freshman, sophomore now. So it's a really cool time to see the different types of technology. Because when I was in school, when you wanted to code, it was all line-based coding. Um, same thing with web page design. I mean, you were coding on a back end, and all it was was words, constant pages and pages of lines. And now you see it where it's drop and drag and it's interactive. And I think that that definitely is gonna increase student engagement. So I think early elementary coding, early elementary access to technology is really going to be the trend over the next, uh, and I don't even want to say 10 years, I want to say over the next four or five years.
0: Well, as a parent myself of two high school age students, I'm very heartened I'm very optimistic about hearing the approach that you're taking, and I I certainly hope that other school districts start to take notice of you guys as well. Today, I've been speaking to Ryan Adkins, the Director of Technology at Yorkville 115. Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it.
0: Hope you have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.
1: Sounds good. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.